Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's show with the great Corbin Ford. This is a this is a fun week for me because I I get to ask. So I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this in a way that doesn't sound at all mean or condescending to um, any other shows or any other guests that we have on the podcast. But typically, I have built-in expectations when I'm talking about specific fantasy players. So, like, a good example of this is leading up to this season, during uh, fantasy draft season, we have tons of experts on the show after we do our mock draft. You guys know I have ways that I feel about almost every player that's drafted on that board. I try to I try to cover all those up when I'm doing my, when we're digging in with the different analysts because I want to hear their opinion on things. But at the same time, I have a way that I feel about what they're saying already. Right now, this week, I have none. Other than being fairly confident that the top picks are going to get overdrafted in fantasy leagues, I have none. So this week is really fun and new and kind of interesting. It's this kind of like, it's an unknown for me because we're learning, I am personally learning from the people that I have on the show where I don't really have that foundation. First of all, hi everybody. Welcome to Tuesday's, what is today? Wednesday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I lost track because we had that Monday Chris Paul show that keeps throwing me off. Welcome to Wednesday's show, I say. Uh, in just a matter of moments, we'll be talking to David Williams, one of my good buddies here at Sports Ethos, who also happens to be a draft expert and a fantasy expert to boot, so it's a really nice combo platter that we got going for you. Um, Corbin was kind enough yesterday to set the table for us, give us kind of a rundown of where everything belongs on the reality side. What, Which way should teams go? What do we think is going to happen at the top? Today, we start to take that ball of yarn and sew it into something for a fantasy player. So that's what's going to be coming up in just a matter of moments. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, but I have to start the podcast today by letting you guys all know that the NFL Draft Guide has officially launched at SportsEthos.com. This is a huge day for the website. Last year, we kind of had like what you'd almost call a red shirt year for fantasy football. We had a draft guide. It was solid. This year, it has blown through the roof. It is absolutely unreal. A team of over 15 analysts has been cranking on this thing for multiple months. Already more than 60, 60 pieces of content in the draft guide with a goal of 200 content pieces by the time fantasy football draft season comes around. It is, as the tweet put out this morning, written by the great Keith Cork, says, full scale and ambitious as hell. This is uh, like, I'm going to play some fantasy football this year because I just, I need to. I need to be aware that it's existing. Um, Already you've got Dynasty stuff in there, mock drafts, which is going to be really critical for someone like me that has truly no idea what's going on. Uh, Team previews, they are extraordinarily in-depth for all 32 teams. 
running back carry projections, wide receiver receiver target projections, uh, rankings. The rankings are out already, including offensive line rankings. So it goes beyond just quarterbacks and tailbacks and wideouts and tight ends and stuff like that. We got offensive line ranks as well. That's already in there. So this is this is a big deal. Uh, it can be had at uh, a number of different price points as well. There's an NFL fantasy pass that was also released today. That's just four dollars a month, four bucks a month. There's a four month lock because you can't just get it and cancel it and get all of this. Get you know two hundred pieces of data for four bucks. Um, it does protect the uh, the IP of the website. A four month lock. So overall, you'd end up paying sixteen total dollars. But you'd have access to all of this stuff from today, June 21st, all the way until uh, the middle of October. You could cancel at that point if you wanted to, or you can keep it running for the rest, you know, another month and a half of the fantasy football season. Also out today, I want you guys paying attention to this because there have been a number of changes at Sports Ethos as of this morning. The NFL Fantasy Pass dropped today. That was brand new. Also, because there are now multiple different sports that have their own fantasy passes, there's also a baseball fantasy pass, a basketball fantasy pass. Any of you listening to this show right now that are already on a fantasy pass, you have been moved to the basketball fantasy pass. You might remember last year we mentioned that everybody was going to get free access to the first season of both football and of baseball on the regular fantasy pass. That's still the case. So if you have a regular Fantasy Pass, it is now called the NBA Fantasy Pass. You still have access to baseball, since that's this first premium baseball season was promised to you, so that'll all still be in there. You also, of course, continue to get all access to premium basketball stuff. You do not have access to this new second year of Fantasy NFL. To get that, you would either need to add the NFL Fantasy Pass or upgrade to the all-sport Fantasy Pass. That's brand new. I know this is a long explanation, but it is important. That, for a limited time, is just $1 more than the NBA Fantasy Pass, which is 6 bucks. You can upgrade from 6 to 7 and get access to all three sports forever. Lock in that $7 price point because it will go up to 10 as NBA season approaches. So you're going to want to get on that right now if you want access at any point in your life to more than just the NBA premium content here at Sports ESOTH. And we'll put this stuff out on Twitter as well, but I thought it'd be more impactful to tell you about it here at the front end of the podcast because, again, it is a little bit nuanced. Enough of that. Enough promo. Let's get into today's two days. Let's get into today's discussion with our buddy, David Williams. Ah, day two of our draft week adventure here. I know Monday Monday wasn't it. It's weird that I'm talking about day two on a Wednesday, but that's the way it is. A very old buddy of mine in this magical NBA universe, the actual manager of our podcast division at Sports Ethos, the host, uh, among a few, I should say, of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, and secretly a freaking dynamite fantasy basketball player which we've never really promoted you as such but you should be because you're good as hell at it this is david williams my buddy my friend nba d will 21 on twitter it's good to talk to you dude how you been 
I'm good, but I think that uh, I'm going to go ahead and cut it short because you called me old. So that's, that's the end of the show. It's been fun. Thanks, everybody. Well, I mean, look at who you're talking with, buddy. Look at who you're talking with. I've talked on this podcast about how I got a colonoscopy for my 40th birthday. So, hey, if you want to get me, a, what do you get for the man who has everything? That's the answer, by the way. A camera up a hole. Um, David. Uh, so yesterday, we had Corbin Ford on the show, and he kind of set the table for us here for this draft week. And everybody knows it, but I'll repeat it because this is not a bit. This is real. I legitimately don't learn about this stuff. I'm like almost uh, like it's a directed effort not to learn about the main players on an NBA draft board because from a fantasy standpoint – for redraft leagues, they're almost always a disaster. And by disaster, I don't mean that they're always going to have terrible fantasy value, but they're almost never going to hit their ADP. It's the guys that are farther down the board, the guys that kind of sneak up on you that end up having fantasy value. But I do want to work through with you, David, today, some of the stuff that Corbin laid out yesterday, which was the top of the board. But then I also want to know, because you are also big into the dynasty NBA universe these days, Some of the guys that you think have kind of a good fit, fantasy makeup, things of that nature. So um, starting at the top, and I've run through this one myself. Uh, Among all the players that I don't know, I do know Victor Wembanyama. It would be kind of insane if I didn't. I would have had to actively avoid Twitter forever, and I can't do that. So I guess my question for you on Victor is, obviously we know where he's going. That's a foregone conclusion. He's going to be number one. He's going to be in San Antonio. We know that he's going to have, at some point in his lifetime, a very juicy fantasy stat set. My question for you is, how long does it take him to get there? Is there a universe where he could actually hit an ADP that I'm guessing is going to be astronomically high this year? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it. I'm not touching him this season. There's always a learning curve for rookies when they get in the league. And his size and skill set... although a lot of people believe it's steps above, but it's very similar to Kristaps, right? And and you go back and you look at the beginning of Kristaps' career, the first two years in the league, he struggled. And by year three, he kind of figured it out. And now, like, he's going to do things that are going to bring fantasy value. Obviously, if you're a dynasty player and you have the first pick, you're taking him, no doubt about it. But in a redraft league, it's just going to be way too high. I I don't – he's going to get run. You know, San Antonio is in a full rebuild mode, so you know that he's going to get the time, he's going to get the minutes, but he's going to have to learn to adjust in the NBA. He, he's, he's a big guy. He's got great handles. There's a lot of tools there that are very promising, but for him – I just I don't see any way that he comes in the league and just sets the world on fire. I think that he's going to come into the league and early on he's going to get a wake up call whenever he's getting bullied because of his size, and then he'll adjust as time goes on. Now we know in fantasy that blocks carry a lot of weight, and because of that, he's going that's going to float his value. You know, he averaged three point seven defensive stats. Most of that it was like three blocks a game for him over there, um, and forgive me, I don't remember what league he played in, but it was a professional league in France. Um, so, you know, he he has an, an incredible skill set. 
some people say, unlike anything that we've ever seen, I don't know that I fully agree with that. I think that there have been guys with this skill set, with that size, but maybe not have it all together at this point, like where he does. So I do think that he's going to be a fantastic player in the NBA. I just year one in a redraft league, there's no way he's last and he's not going to be on the board past a hundred. So I'm just not touching. Him. Oh, not a chance. I would think I'd be surprised if he was on the board past 40. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to go way early and that's just, I, you know, Chris Topps first year in the league, he averaged 14.7 rebounds and 1.9 blocks. And those are not bad numbers, but those are not numbers that you take in the first three rounds of your draft. Are you at all concerned, and I asked Corbett about this, but I don't want to tell you what he said if you hadn't heard it yet, uh, to uh, sort of avoid any kind of bias. Are you at all concerned about how the Spurs utilize him on a, not a load management, it's not the right word, because he's not dealing with any kind of like lingering injury stuff, but just from a like, look, we're in a full rebuild. Um, or maybe I should start with a different question and say, do you think the Spurs have what it takes to compete for a play-in spot this year? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Because that sort of this that's, that's the answer. Whatever you say to this sort of colors the the answer to what I think the next question is going to be. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of questions on that team. Uh, you know, like some of the guys that they have leaving. I, I think that they can. You know, competing for a play in spot is not as hard as making the top eight used to be. And so to say that they don't have a chance, I think would just. I don't think that's accurate. Wibbenyama's made it clear that he wants to compete. Now, you know, when he comes over here and the franchise has that conversation with him of, hey, we're going to lose a few games so we can put some other pieces around you to really push for that championship, how's he going to respond to that? Um, And I don't know the answer to that. But I I would say they may be able to compete for a play-in position but i don't think they'll really be a threat in the playoffs Mm. so then okay so that the reason i wanted to sort of set that one up was to say if you do believe that they are i don't know maybe i don't want to put words in your mouth and say pushing for a play in spot but competing for one what do you think the games total is for Wembanyama here in his in his rookie campaign or or even a minute per game projection on him uh and that that's tough. You know, he, he didn't have 
I want to say this year after the playoffs, he played somewhere in like the mid fifties. And so that that's going to be his highest game total, obviously up, up into this point in his career. I, I would think that he's North of that with the Spurs, you know, if they're, if they're not good close into the season, do they really push for that play in? And I just, I find it hard to believe that Greg Popovich is going to have that type of mentality back-to-back years. So, you know, I, I think that maybe they will. I, I would guess probably somewhere in, in the mid-60s, like 63 to 67. Okay, yeah, I was going to say over under of 68 and a half, you're taking the under? I'm taking the under on that. Yeah, I think that to me is maybe that's even a bigger story than the per game stuff because, you know, let's say the per game stuff does translate easily because he was at, I had to look this up, folks, because I don't know these things off the top of my head. He was, yeah, he, was, was... A, he was a 22 and 10 uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Mets uh, and three blocks per game, like you said. Um, let's say that translates. Let's say that, I mean, he's not going to have three blocks per game because what was there, one guy in the NBA that got to that? Your, your good friend JJJ out in Memphis? You know, yes, he's not blacking three shots per game, but he did play 32 minutes. So, you know, let's say he can go for like 22 and 10 with two blocks per game. That's still, you know, that's that's probably second or third round per game value. I'm giving, by the way, I'm giving all of the benefit of the doubt here, um, like that everything perfectly translates. But then the concern probably ends up being, can he clear 65 games? I mean, you this is a guy that... I would not be floored if he was drafted inside the top 25 in redraft leagues this year. I know Dynasty is going number one everywhere, anywhere for the end of time. But, like, redraft, I could see him going late second round. Couldn't you? I, yeah, I think that some people will buy into that high. There, There's a 0.0% chance that I would draft him that high. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I could definitely see, I, I could see that happening because, you know, the, the hype around him... Uh, you know, we, we got some stuff with Zion whenever he was in college. He got quite a bit of hype, but nothing like this. Like, this goes back to, you know, the, the ESPN air in his games. To me, it just it reminds me of LeBron James mm-hmm. and, and the way that he got so much publicity before he ever played a game in the league. And, and they've done that with this kid just because, you know, the seven foot three, the way that he handles the ball. And people love to call him a shooter, but he shot 29% from three, Dan. And that's, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's not a shooter. He's seven foot three. And maybe you want to give him credit because he is that size, but his shot selection is questionable at best. Yeah. And now he's going to go so, up against like legitimately yeah. gigantic human beings. Yeah, the biggest, strongest, fastest athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's not to take anything away from the league that he was playing in, but there's a reason that the NBA is considered the best league in the world, and it's because they have the biggest, strongest, fastest athletes, and that's something that he has to adjust to. And to me, uh, specifically like late second round, early third round, do you really want to gamble that much on, on you know, that could – sink your team you know you could you could probably manage it if you if you take him late second early third and he comes out and he does what what poor has done in his first year you could probably manage around that if you're a good fan as manager but to me i'm just not taking the risk the, the 
the hype around him is going to be so high that he's just not even on my draft board this year at all. Yeah, and it seems to me, from what I'm learning here over the course of this week, that now once you get past Victor, and we can do that here on the show now, and you get into everybody else, there's sort of this second tier that Corbin was explaining to me very clearly yesterday. That's basically two players, which is Brandon or Scoot. And where they go, it's not a tear. That's incorrect. (laughs) Uh, But he had scoot way before, right ahead, um, for the record. Um, How do you feel about this next grouping? Uh, It's it's it's, it goes Victor and then scoot. And like this is. I'll be honest with you. I love scoot Henderson. I'm not going to draft him in fantasy because guards just typically don't return you any value. They do fantasy. Um, so year one, I, I don't think that he's going to bring any fantasy value, but his you think, do you think he's going to Charlotte, by the way, is that, you think he's going second? I, I think that that would be a great, like when you're trying to build a team, like Charlotte has not been super competitive and I'm not a huge fan of going best fit when your team hasn't been winning, you go best player available Oh yeah, and scoot, scoot Henderson, in my opinion, is miles ahead of Brandon Miller. If you you go back in the last three years and you put Scoot Henderson on the board against any of these other guys, like he goes one last year easy. And I would even like going back to the Ja Morant Zion Williamson draft. I even I like Scoot Henderson more than the hype that Zion was getting. Wow. His ability to manipulate the pick and roll is, is miles ahead of a lot of people in the NBA. He really like his shot is the biggest thing, right? He doesn't he doesn't shoot the ball well from three, but if you remember uh, Kimba Walker early in his career, Kimba was god awful from three, and he figured it out. Like he when he first started, and and I don't know if you remember it or not, but I think that he was pretty close to one of the worst shooters based off of the volume in the league. And then he finally figured out how to shoot that three. And toward the end of his career, we saw him be our not toward the end, but throughout his career, we saw him be a fairly valuable fantasy asset. And I, I think out of everybody that's on this board right now, like in this draft, I'm the most confident that Scoot Henderson will have a successful NBA career. Wow. That's impressive. Well, okay. But you said you're not drafting him though. And that's just because, and I'm looking at the numbers he put up with the uh, in the G League last year, 17-ish, I'm going to round, 17 points, five boards, seven assists, took, rounding is doing some heavy lifting because he was right around and a half on pretty much all of that stuff, um, three and a half turnovers per game, I decided not to round on that one, but 43% shooting from the field, 76% at the free throw line, I mean, and like I said, three and a half turnovers, those are like the calling card of rookie struggles, those three categories. So, um, I mean, do his other numbers do enough to get him drafted, you think, and redraft relatively high? Or is he one of those ones that falls back towards the edge of the top 100? Or is it, frankly, too hard to know before we know what team he's on? Yeah, I think the team is going to make a difference because there's been talk that, that Charlotte may move that pick or may take Brandon Miller I think where he lands makes a lot of difference. Uh, you know, if if Portland doesn't end up trading that pick and they move Dame Lillard and they take him third and they're like, okay, here's the keys to the franchise. 
Well, then, you know, anytime that you have usage, there's probably going to be some sort of value there. I, I don't really know um, what, what he's going to be. Early on, I would say that it's not very likely that he gets drafted high, but I think a lot of that depends on what happens because there's a lot of chatter around the NBA circles, uh, you know, teams moving, maybe Dane goes to Miami or whatever. And, and I think wherever he lands is going to make a huge difference on where he's drafted. What are your thoughts on, uh, what are your thoughts on Miller? Since it sounds like you've got him kind of in the third tier now. Yeah, I, I like Brandon Miller's game. Um, you know, the, he shoots the ball. Well, he's not going to be a primary playmaker, uh, but he's just a guy. I'm not sold on, on his like overall value. I think he's going to be a, a decent player, but fantasy wise, I think it's going to be like a shooting guard stat set. Like, you know, he's going to get you points. He's going to get you threes and probably not a whole lot other than that. And that's just kind of where I'm at with him. Might be wrong, but I I just looking at his numbers and watching the film on him, I don't see him being a guy that's going to bring a whole lot of fantasy value. So then we dive into the stuff that actually kind of moves. Well, I shouldn't say my needle because that's a little (laughs) that's a little bit silly. Let's just say the needle, which is the guys that maybe aren't going to get drafted particularly high. This is where you get into the rookies that I need to soften my stance on. I've been very clear for the last two years or so that I'm looking for ways to be a little bit gentler in my rookie hatred. And last year, David, you and uh, William Harris, you both talked me into keeping an eye on Mark Williams. And then he became interesting at the All-Star break once the Hornets finally moved on from Mason Plumley. Who are some of the guys maybe not in the top three? Uh, because it really does kind of feel like there's one, two, three, and then everybody else in this draft. Am I like, you know, I'm mostly just scanning Twitter, but that's the impression I've gotten so far. Are Is there anybody in that mix that's you think could be a really good fit in an interesting spot? I really like, um, and he's not Twitter's favorite Thompson twin, but Azura Thompson um, he, he played off the ball and his brother, amen was the, the point guard, but you, you look at, and, and it's really tough because we're still learning like this overtime elite league. Where is it at? Is it, is it above the college level? And I think it is, but I don't think it's quite to the level of G league, but is there, he averaged 16, seven and six with three and a half combined defensive stats in that league. That was 2.4 steals and 1.1 block. He, the shot from him is a concern, but I think that his defensive stats can carry him enough. And I don't really know. Um, it's really tough right now. Like I know in, in dynasty circles, there, there's a lot of talk about those guys and kind of where, where they're going to go. But as far as redraft, I don't know where he's going to come off of the board, but he's a guy that I think could probably bring you. Mm, I would say probably somewhere around like top 90 value just based off of what he can do on the defensive end of the floor. And typically in the league, you know, going back to uh, Herb Jones, if you're a good defender, you find minutes on an NBA team. And and Thompson is that he's, he's a good defender. His brother's a good defender as well, but he's going to be more on ball. And I think a, a, a young player that's a good defender, that's not going to be the primary ball handler 
you're going to have less turnovers. He's going to bring you good defensive stats. His field goal percentage is pretty good. A little bit worried about the free throw percentage, but I think the rest will kind of carry him enough where he's going to bring, you know, around top 90, top 100 value. Where is there a team or two you'd like to see him end up? Man. Um, I know I'm forcing you. I'm making you dig deep on this one. You really got to yeah. educate me because I'm I'm a self-proclaimed moron on all of this stuff. I I would really I'd like to see him in Utah just because of where they're at. Um, you know, that that Laurie Markinen, which is obviously like he, he's gonna be their guy over there. But you know, you, you got a little bit of uh, of value last year from Walker Kessler at the center position. You have Laurie Markinen, they have a, a number of young guards, so they kind of need that three four to fill in and I really I like him there and I think that he would get playing time pretty early on hmm. so so Utah um and then after that it's tough because looking at the draft board barring a trade um you know it, he's not going to go further down I like I don't think he's going to go outside of like the top 10 or 12 teams like I think he's for sure going to be a lottery pick and with the magic you know, you have Franz and Banchero there. So that there's, you know, you have guys that are kind of, they're young, but their minutes are going to be there. Um, I think Utah is a place where you can get some run. And then also, you know, like Washington, they, they moved Bill. Um, uh, we saw today, earlier today, that uh, Kuzma opted out. So he may not be there. That may be a place where Thompson can get some run early on. Like I said, I, I believe that his defensive stats are going to carry him, carry his fantasy value. So I really like him there. Okay, putting you back on the hot seat for one more fun one. Do you think any significant draft-related trades go down? And if so, what's your hot take on the one that happens? And it could be Dame-related. It could be something completely off the board. It could be something uh, Pels-related. Uh, Te- tease me with something insane. Oh man. Um or nothing. I think I, I think that um when I when I'm looking at the lottery, I, I think that Dallas at ten is probably the most likely pick to be moved. Hmm. And and I think that it's going to be an unlikely team, like somebody that you don't expect that's going to move up to to that area. I know that there there have been talks about you know the Grizzlies are are really trying to get into the lottery, and I don't I don't understand that. But there's talks. It's what Kleiman does. I'm not a GM. I let him do what he needs to do, whether I agree or disagree <laughs> with it. But I. I think that Dallas moves that tenth pick in order to try and solidify the roster. You know, they they missed the playoffs. They said that they were tanking. Whatever. I. You have a superstar player in Luca. You have to start putting the pieces around him that's going to help him win. And I think that we have we've seen enough from him to know that you need players that are not going to really need the ball in order to to be successful and so you know like that there's so there are plenty of guys out there that fit that 
And, uh, and I think that we see that pick move. Maybe that's not that hot, but I, I don't know, man. I just, it's tough because I would love to see Dame go somewhere and be able to really compete for a title. And I just don't think that he's going to be able to do that in Portland, but he's been there so long with like Hills dug in of this is where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just going to be weird if he gets moved from Portland. Yeah. I don't know if I see that one happening. Um, let me pivot into the Memphis direction because I've got you. It's not draft related, uh, but John Morant suspended for 25 games. We know Tyus Jones was potentially the team's best trade chip on an expiring deal. Very good basketball player that a lot of folks don't know about because he's largely been behind John Morant. What does Memphis do? And by the way, I'm asking David this because you cover the Grizzlies. This is not just an out of left field question. What do the Grizzlies do here? Do they just sort of bite the bullet, still move Tyus Jones, try to get as much capital as they can while the value is there? Or maybe ride him for half of a season and then get a little bit less in return. What's the what do you think the play is for a team that could be going from two point guards to zero point guards? How do they make sure they stay afloat during this suspension for Ja? Um. So I'm I'm a little bit torn here because what what I think they're going to do and what I hope they do is two is probably going to be two completely different things. That's okay. You could tell us both. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go back to, so there, there've been a number of times since climate has taken over as GM where they have had guys that were on expiring contracts that they could have moved and they chose not to do that. And, I don't know if he just he, – he always says that they're looking to make trades, but they're not just going to make trades to make trades. Um, so if they get something that they like to return value in moving Tyus, then I, I think that they would. Um, I hope that they would. You know, he he is really good in the regular season, but the past two postseasons, he was not good. And – like to be honest, I don't give a flip about regular season wins. I, I don't care about that. I don't care if they win seventy games or if they win fifty-one. I as long as they make the playoffs, that's all I care. And so, keeping him in order to secure regular season wins is not something that I'm interested in as a fan hmm. of the team. Um, I I do think that he he is a very good point guard. He's easily the best backup point guard in the league. And he's a guy that can step in and run this offense because he's here, he's comfortable with the system, and it gives you kind of a cushion. But I I really am not sure what they're going to do with it. I would love to see them move him in order to upgrade the wing position because they need somebody outside of John Morant that can create his own shot. And Dylan Brooks was semi-capable of that. But the problem with Dylan Brooks is... Careful. <laughs> like, well, Dylan Brooks has a Kobe Bryant mindset with a Tony Snell skill set. <laughs> and that's oh, like... Poor, I, poor Dylan. You know, like, he, he's... <laughs> he's a very, very good defender, but he feels like he should be more of the offense than what his skill set truly provides. And so, like, I, my expectation is they're not going to trade him. 
and they're going to go through the all-star break, go into the playoffs next season with him still on the roster, and then he's going to walk as a free agent. And yet again, we're going to have a valuable contract that you could have got something in return that they didn't move upon. And that's just kind of history tends to repeat itself. And you look at um, Gorgie Jang was a guy that had um, his was a, a an expiring contract that they could have used in, in a trade and they did not do it. Kyle Anderson, um, you know, it, it, I could go back and name a few different examples, but I just have a feeling that Kleiman's not going to move him. I think he's going to keep him as an insurance policy hmm. and just whatever happens, happens. That makes that makes him a relatively interesting fantasy target, at least for the first half of the season, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. That's I rostered him for a long time last year just to play when John Morant was out. Yeah. Even if you, you know, could only like squeeze I, like 20 games out of it, it was often worth it. Yep. Yeah, the, the, you know, you roto cap. And if your team is staying healthy and you're not too far behind, you can set on a guy that's going to bring you really good value when he starts. Like, it worked out pretty good. I didn't win the league, but I did get quite a few good games from him. And so I was happy with that. But, you know, with, uh, Toronto with them trading or not trading, but with the, the Raptors signing Darko to be their new head coach, that, that would be interesting. I don't know what that mm. would look like. G- Gary Trent just, uh, just opted back in and he, he's a guy that is, I would have to pull up and see salary. I think he's at like 18, six and Tyus is like 15. So I think that money works. You may have to add somebody else in there to make that money work. But I like Gary Trent because he is—he's a good defender. He can shoot the three well, and that's what they need. That the when Luke Kennard was on the floor for the the Grizzlies last year, the team was ridiculous. The, the plus minus with Luke Kennard and Desmond Bain on the floor at the same time, it was just astronomical. Like they were, uh, I think, a net around plus fifty with those two guys on the floor at the same mm. time. Obviously, small sample size. That's not going to carry throughout the whole season. But when you have a guy with John Morant's skill set and you can have four guys on the floor that are a legitimate three-point threat, then it opens things up for him. Are you looking at Luke Kennard for this season in fantasy? I didn't, uh, I didn't man, know the show was going to go ask, this way, by the way. <laughs> you, you asking me to show my hand? Well, I can tell you because we're not in any leagues together anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> I kind of am. I, I like... Yeah, I like Luke Kennard, and and I don't know. Um, I'm kind of interested to see where he's going to be ranked, but he's a guy that I think his, they are going to let him be more of a playmaker. And if you go back to his time in Detroit, Kennard showed that he can do that, and he he's going to have fantasy value on this team. They They will let him be more than just the running off the screen shooter guy than what he was. I still don't get why he wasn't getting playing time in Los Angeles. I don't know if he made Tyron Lumad or whatever, but you know, he, he came to Memphis and, and lit it up. And so with his ability to shoot the ball, he's going to get plenty of minutes there. So I think that's going to lead to plenty of opportunities. Yeah, that was, I, that I'm think I'm kind of along that same path because Brooks out of the way. And if jaw misses a third of the season, plus whatever games he misses getting dinged up, if, Tyus Jones is around, okay, but even if he's not, anyway, didn't mean to take this show down a a Memphis curve, but I felt like I needed to bug you on those things while we had you on this deal. Uh, NBA D Will twenty one on Twitter. You are officially done 
educating Dan Bespris on draft night. Do you have anything going on this week, draft wise? Uh, man, I no life has just been too busy. We we I know that there are some guys working um on doing a draft show but i'm just not going to be available to do it i do want to i want to give you one more name it'll be super quick yeah but i i like jarris walker from houston depending on where he lands he is never in a bad spot defensively and Mm. that leads to forcing turnovers he had 3.1 uh combined offensive stats for houston last year and like per 36 minutes he'd be like 15 and 9 and 3.1 defensive stats with fairly good percentages, his free throw percentage, he's going to be a, like a four in the league. So free throw percentage is a little bit lower than what I like, but it's going to be low volume. So I don't think he's going to kill you there, but he's the guy that's an excellent defender. And I think that he is going to, uh, he, he's going to be one of those guys that, uh, let's see, I, I'm losing the name center. He bounced around. He was in New York, but he had like a top 50 season and scored like three points a game. Noel, Nerland's Noel. Oh, Nerland's, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really like what he's able to do on the defensive end, and he's a, he's a good playmaker as well. I think that he's a guy that will bring fantasy value. Oh, you're trying to have sucker t- me in with defensive stats, aren't you? Hey, that's I pay attention to those. You can win leagues with defensive stats. Well, you so. know your audience here with me. You're doing you're. This is what you did last year with the Mark Williams stuff. You're trying to hit me with a center that can give you a field goal percent and a, and a truckload of defensive stuff. And damn it, you might just sucker me in. Where do you think? So last question then. Where do you think he could end up? Where he'd be a good fit and and might actually get the minutes to do it. Uh, I would like to see him in Detroit at five. That's Jarris Walker. Did I get that right? Walker. Yep. Jarris okay. Walker. Yep. Okay. All right. There you go. Thank you, David. You the man, as always. Um, he is David Williams, podcast division manager here at Sports Ethos, one of the hosts of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, dynasty NBA enthusiast, fantasy basketball enthusiast, and one hell of a model American. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to do an Ace Ventura bit at some point this year, so there you go. Um, David, thank you, as always, my man. I'll talk to you uh, on Slack. Everybody else can find you on Twitter, though. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. So there you go. Uh, And I'll admit, like, I know I said I had no preconceived notions on any of this stuff. I did, you guys know, assume that the big names will get overdrafted. And it is gratifying to hear someone who is much smarter than me about all of this particular stuff, NBA Draft Week, agree with that sentiment. But keep an eye out on some of the less overblown names that David brought up, and that's perhaps how you guys can catch some wind, catch some air on your fantasy drafts. And, uh, of course, we'll know more uh, tomorrow evening. Figure out where all of these guys actually end up, and uh, we'll be playing this upcoming fantasy season. Shout-out once again to David Williams for coming on the pod. A thank you once again to Corbin yesterday. Tomorrow, we'll be talking to the amazing Rhett Bauer, who runs our dynasty division here on the fantasy basketball side at Sports Ethos. He is the finest dynasty, dynasty basketball mind that I have ever come across, so pay close attention to that one, and uh, that should be another fun episode. Also, shout out to those fantasy footballers. Mentioned it at the beginning of this show. The NFL Draft Guide at Sports Ethos officially out there. NFL Fantasy Pass can be had for just $4 a month. The all-sport fantasy pass that'll have football, then basketball, and baseball 
available for a limited time for just $7 per month, a $1 upgrade over the traditional Fantasy Pass, which just had basketball. So make sure to check that out immediately. This is a time you do need to be logging into your Sports Ethos account and uh, making that upgrade or making that purchase. Hope you guys enjoy what uh, they've been putting out. That is a really, really special fantasy football draft guide. It's beating everybody to market, and it's going to crush them. Awesome work, football division. And awesome work, basketball guests this week. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Back at you tomorrow with Rhett and the draft. All of that tomorrow. Right back here on Fantasy NBA Today. So long for now, everybody.